learning your ways, Lord. We're learning your ways so that we can apply them to our lives and we can be blessed fully. I mean fully blessed. So I thank you Lord God in heaven and earth that half a blessing is never enough. We need abundance to have enough for our lives and for those that we would affect in every way. And we thank you for it Lord in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So we're talking about the grace factor. Right. And uh, I was listening to Pastor Shirley's teaching on grace and that's where I first began to well for a better term steal alright but no preachers do that that's how we live sometimes find somebody who found something on their own and we go grab that and steal it a little bit so what's the harm we're all God's children it's all in the house it's all kept in the house for everybody all the children of God have what we want but (laughs) anywho but um I was thinking about it uh, because she made a statement and she was going over the story about the prodigal son. And she was saying that mercy got him home and forgave him but grace gave the party. And this is what we have to look at is grace being an enabling factor not a disabling factor. Now, because there's so much religion tied up in Christianity, you can get grace over into the area where it disables you. You don't have to be responsible. You don't have to. You see, you have to. You have to. It takes the have to out of it, except that when grace comes to you, it enables you to do what you have to do. There are some things we must do as believers in order to please God and so grace then becomes an enabling force it is a power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to do what to do whatever because grace is discreet and specific it's not just a red carpet or a a flying carpet that you hop on to when you want to go do something you think is spiritual grace comes to you in a discreet form Grace is definitely determined by faith. What are you asking God for, believing God for? Then you'll get a discreet packet of grace that enables you to do exactly that and no more. You get to do exactly that and no more. Grace comes on the heels of faith. So you can say that they're they're one spirit but your faith must be expressed and offered up in some way for the grace to accomplish that which you desire to accomplish to come to you. That's why it's wrong for Christians to believe you pray and just sit and wait for God to bring something. We all know better than that now. And see for many years Christianity was taught that way. And we thought we had to wait years for God to answer one prayer or forever. But then we found out that grace was an energizing force that led you to the right door. And that door opened when you got there. And so for the people who got this other thing on them, we thought they were special people because they could take that, go out and do something with it. And the rest of us were sitting here waiting forever. So any, any teaching that 
has weight in it to me always throws up a red flag like the wealth transfer thing that always struck me wrong because I felt well if if I have a relationship with God and he tells me it's mine today and I decide I want to pursue it today. I'm going to go and pursue, you see. So I'm not limited to what the rest of the, quote, body of Christ is waiting on. And you should not be either. You should not be either. You have a personal covenant with God. He is your personal father, your personal God. You have personal relationship with him. And he opens doors for you not the body of Christ, but for you to go through that no man can close. And so if we think of grace as enabling us to perceive those opportunities. Opens your eyes so that you can see an opportunity from God. And then it enables you to go a step further to walk toward that and to get into the door. Well suppose I get there. See that's not a faith question. If you feel that way, suppose I get there and it don't open. You're not in faith to begin with. You haven't received the faith or the grace. That's not a faith question. Faith takes care of all of that. Uh Takes care of all of that. What ifs, what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. Those thoughts may come to you but they bounce right off your shield of faith when they come to your, your head. They just pop right off again. No, I've heard from God. I'm going to do this. This is what I want. This is my next step, and I'm going for it. It's just as simple. There is a time where faith will cause us to walk softly before God, and that means that you want to be attentive to hear even minute changes in instruction and direction from Him. See, walking softly means having your senses tuned more in to the the invisible supernatural than the natural realm so in because this is important to you you don't want to make a mistake and you don't want to miss it you walk softly so that you can get the next step I know when God told me the miracles had begun in the ministry we were uh, there were some things that had kind of opened up in a way that I could see where it was but I couldn't speak about it you know now I'm speaking a little bit about it and it's been on us for more than a year and a half now and so as as I begin to understand what we're walking in then I can speak more about it so that you can follow carefully and understand your part to do so that you can be a partaker as well it's for you to be able to get what you need from God you got me and so you have to have wisdom to not be presumptuous in these things and not go up presumptuously in the flesh and just grab everything this is not a grab fest this is faith and so when God ministers to you where you going what you need etc etc the word will come to you and if that word is believed and mixed with your faith then the grace that enables you to carry out your part so that you can be obedient to that so that God can bless you because you must be obedient to get the blessing so grace enables you to obey God period no matter what he tells you to do it enables you to obey him so we can say this in a sense that grace really is part of the golden scepter that is extended to us when we visit the throne room 
just like with Esther when the king extended the scepter toward her her faith got her there she had faith to override not having an invitation and risking her life as she just showed up there without one so we need to have faith to come quote unquote boldly that doesn't mean in the flesh but it means without hesitation you don't hesitate asking God you know he's your father your blood bought that that resonates in you that you belong there but you belong there to ask and to worship not to just bombard heaven and shake heaven's gates and all this crazy stuff people say you're there to make sure that you're acceptable if it please the king see if it please the king is this according to your will for me God is it your will for me right now see we we've been taught so much uh, arrogant faith we're taught any conversation with God almost is unbelief you know, got to have your scriptures written down got to be believing and put a demand on heaven blah 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 and if you talk to God about your weakness your fears your <laughs> you can't do that because you know he's your father you can talk to him about anything he wants to hear from you the good the bad the ugly the faith talk the indifferent all that kind of stuff he wants to hear from you and so you you get a relationship established by relating to him now you can't go there without the confidence that when you ask in faith he will grant it to you you've got to come to him like you would a natural parent if not better come to him knowing that he'll do it for you but you tell him about your fears and your concerns and you know God I know I haven't done everything I'm supposed to do and I haven't done it right and you know I've been in a bad mood about some things I don't understand and I haven't really grown yet to the place where I can just put these things aside quickly can you help me with that you got me I mean just talk to him he's there to help you and so when we go to the throne and that scepter is extended to us then he enables us and then in leaving we're enabled with gifts presence remember that don't leave the throne room without having been changed by that experience you don't just talk and leave your burdens and then go back out burden some more you go in there with the intent of being relieved and alleviated of fears concerns burdens all of that it's not cute to run around afraid of things it's not fun to run around half prepared it's not and there's ample for us to go into that throne room and come out empowered by the grace of God when you come out that scepter being extended to you represents all that he is every bit of power he's got wisdom knowledge understanding all of that is represented in that scepter once you touch it and you are received by him then you're entitled to leave out of that throne room totally changed and empowered for what you have to do next totally changed 
People didn't go to a king without coming out with that need met and that demand met and that with the papers in the hand to establish that they had authority to do these things and all the equipment. What did Nehemiah have? He had papers to say that he was permitted to have a leave. He got a paid vacation from his job, indefinite vacation from his job. You don't have a return date whenever God tells you to come back. Wouldn't you love that? You have it. Just haven't tapped into it yet. If Nehemiah had it, you have it. We're we're here. We're more empowered than he was. He was just rebuilding a physical building. We're building stones not made with hands. We're building a spiritual body for the Lord to dwell in. Eternal. Made in the heavens. So we have much more that we can do for God than, than Nehemiah ever had. But he was empowered. He got he got the building materials all paid for. Remember that scripture we always prayed houses we didn't buy and vineyards we didn't plant. Well, it's coming. It's here. We we're on the we're getting little bits of it right now, but more is coming. More is definitely coming. And so you you have to understand what God's doing, folks. You have to stay focused on what he's doing. He'll take care of you. He'll take care of them little hours of sleep you miss and that little money you might miss. But he'll take care of that. But he wants his kids to have his mind. Get with me on this. You get with me on this. I'll take care of you. But you get with me first. You got me? Listen, for years, I watched the 700 Club for five years waiting for a word of knowledge for an instant healing. It never came. Why? I needed to crawl and walk through. You understand what I'm saying? Every believer does. You got stuff on you God can't use. And most of us know what it is. And you can't get rid of it on your own. You got to crawl and walk through. Huh? You talking about fire walking. <laughs> right. And we don't smell a smoke. Huh? <laughs> You don't have a negative testimony about it, what you get through. You have a testimony, when I got through it, I was empowered by God. And I haven't stopped going since. You got me? So when that scepter is extended to you, and you reach out and touch it, that represents everything you need to carry out what God has for you to do. Not just for your needs. He knows you got rent. He knows you got lint. He knows you got bed bugs. He knows you got fleas. You know, whatever it is you got to take care of. He knows all about it. But he's looking for somebody. Esther didn't go in there for herself. She went in there on behalf of the people first. Then people get up in the line, I'm going to tell you. Because many of the things we want personally, we should be in faith for them and know that they're coming. All it takes is the right kind of. We all know what to do to get the, the motor going. Uh it's not a great mystery and so when we go to him we're empowered grace is a divine empowerment to graciously accept our duties as Christians to graciously accept our duties as Christians and then we can walk out the Christian life unhindered, unafraid, unashamed, unfettered, on everything. With no no chains, no strings, no fears, no nothing. No misgivings. 
Ephesians 2.8 tells us that by grace we are saved through faith. So like we said grace follows the exercise of our faith. Pleasing God if it please the king without faith it's impossible to please him. So whenever you use your faith that's pleasing to him. You pull your faith back and you don't extend it that's not pleasing to him. You must use your faith. If you're going to please God and get a right answer from him. You must use your faith. And extend it toward him. And then say what, see what he says. See, you see what he says about the situation. If you make up your own answer for things you're not extending your faith. You're being wise in your own eyes. So you think you have the answer. And then you wind up on a street you don't recognize. Huh? God's got to come down there and find you. You got me? Because you've lost your way. So when we're wise in our own eyes. We will not have the grace to accomplish. And then you don't have what God wants you to have at the end of the journey. And so God wants us to stay on the flow of grace that pleases him. So I'm sorry faith that pleases him. So that he can extend the scepter to us. And empower us. When we leave the throne room. We are empowered with everything that we need. So that we can please him. We can accomplish what it is <clears throat> that we need to do. So in the book of Ephesians also it talks about the love walk and relationships that keep us empowered. When Paul was talking uh, to the church at Ephesus, you need to know Ephesus was a port city. It's kind of like New York or uh, San Francisco or New Orleans, Philadelphia, something like that. Where you saw all kinds of people with all kinds of religions serving all kinds of gods. And so it took extreme power and focus in that town for him to turn that town upside down. Remember all the sorcerers and people like that burned their sorcery books and turned from that to the living God. I was listening to Brother Summerall talk about the effect that that, uh, his binding the strong man had in the Philippines. Same thing that we do when we pray. Uh, When we go to different cities you confront the, the chief prince there you don't run around chasing people's personal devils you know because they're going to get them back <laughs> you understand what I'm saying uh, you know what they so desire and so you, you bind the strong man and you can get many souls steal many souls from the hands of the enemy and so in the city of Ephesus Paul found that that was true and he so wanted to impress them with how to master that level of spiritual authority that he took the time to go through all of these steps and and he prayed several the most powerful prayers I think for the church are in the book of Ephesians there's at least three that I can count where he he wants them strengthened with might by the spirit and the inner man that we are the church we are the people who are called out we are his body we're the fullness of him that fills all in all and he begins to exhort the church on the their true identity who you really are and start living up to who you really are because it's in you already to live that way in chapter 5 he tells us to walk in love and be followers of God just like dear children and to offer up a sweet smelling sacrifice to God through our behavior I mean just 
knowing God and what pleases him. Do those things and stay awake from the works, unfruitful works of darkness. The other part of chapter 5 he tells us how to uh, live in the grace that's extended for relationships. You, you don't have any problem relationships. You just got to believe that they're all successful in God. And that he'll extend the grace to you so that those relationships will be what they're supposed to be. Everybody that's in your life that God brought there is there for your good. You got me? But you need to understand that and have the grace to make that happen and make it a reality. That's what we don't have sometimes. So Paul begins to talk about that. Husbands, love your wives. Submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of the Lord. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Not somebody else's. And not your mom and not your daddy. You're supposed to leave them a long time ago. And cleave to that brother. It says, for the husband's the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he's the savior of the body. Savior. He's there to save the both of you through his prayers. Christ, so let wives be be to their own husbands in everything. It's verse 24 in chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and sacrificed himself for her. You got me? That's how you, you make your wife who you want her to be and who God wants her. Well, God wants her to be number one. You know, I remember Mac Timberlake a year before he passed away. <clears throat> he ministered on marriage. He and his wife Brenda would always do the marriage seminar at the ICBM conference, and he had lost so much weight, but he still he was still Mac. You know, I mean that spirit was still there, and there was not a dry eye in the house because he, when he started preaching, he just felt led to get down on his knees, and because he was kind of weak, he never really got back up again. So he preached that whole sermon down there on his knees, and he kept saying that he would have problems. He and Brenda would have problems. He said, and I started to talk to God about his daughter, not your wife. His daughter. She got to have it in the right order. See that's where people mess up. Wife that's God's son. Not just your man. Your husband. Your boo. Whatever you think he is. But that's God's son. You got me? So when, when he started talking like that. And I thought to myself. No wonder he got revelation from God. He got it in the right order. Anybody gets the right order of things. Will get it right from God. And he says that he might sanctify and cleanse it. Uh-huh. So the husband sets the wife apart for God. You got me? Sometimes that's why they leave. Because they're trying to drag you the other way. You got me? God says as long as the unbelieving spouse wants to be there and doesn't want to, he's peaceful being there, let him be there. But I've seen many a situation where the woman gets saved or gets serious about God and he can't stay there any longer. huh? Because he's not going to fulfill his part of sanctifying her with the word. And then he wants to present that, that bride a glorious church without spot or wrinkle in better condition than when you married her. In other words, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies and not put him before her. 
No man ever hated his own flesh. So just remember that you cherish her. Children and parents in chapter 6. Children obey your parents in the Lord. Didn't say conditions did it. For this is right. Honor your father and mother. Which is the first commandment with promise. That it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers especially. Because this is especially prevalent with men. Of provoking their kids for anger. Being too strict. Then the women turn around and they're too lenient. Keeps the kid confused. But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Just teach them the Lord's ways. Servants. That's at your job. You're a servant at your job. And you're a servant in the house of God. Be obedient to them that are your masters. According to the flesh. With fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Now is that clear to everybody? How you supposed to treat people over you? Both in the house of God and out there in the world. Not with eye servants as man pleasers. But as a servant of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. God's want to make sure your heart's in it. Not just your limbs. But your heart's in it. With good will. Doing the service of God. And not to men. Knowing that whatever good thing any man does. He'll receive from God. You, you can't do too much for God. You got me? Just, do you have too many blessings? Right. That's what I thought. Anybody's got too many. You can give them to me. Huh? <laughs> that's how that works. And you masters do the same things to them for bearing threatening. Hmm? It's one thing a pastor don't have to do is throw you out. Because we all know you can leave. You got me? Or threaten to throw you out. Knowing that your master also is in heaven. Neither is there respect of persons with him. So if you got somebody over you and, and they're not right. God will straighten them out. The straightening doesn't come from underneath up. comes from there down. God's over that person. He straightens them out. You just need to get to know your God. And he says if you do this and after your relationships are straight then you put on the armor of God and fight the devil. But you got to get this straight first over here. You got one, two, three, four, five chapters (laughs) before you get to the armor part. This is what we neglect in the church. We don't talk to people about how to sanctify themselves and set themselves apart so that when they go into battle they have on God's armor. And they don't have a little tail sticking out that the devil can grab onto and drag you around and make you think you're fighting for God. And so then you put on what God has for you to fight successfully in battles. So there is grace for relationships to be maintained so that they're right before God. All of them. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's a, an estranged parent. I don't care if it's a, uh, somebody you haven't known for years or something like that. I was thinking about uh, the, the Dillards. Howard's found his, his biological father. He's over 50 years old. People would say, what's the point? You know, who oh, could have been there when he was growing up? Well, you know, but God does what God sees. He keeps his word. If you pray reconciliation, God will reconcile you to everybody. Yes. And reconciliation means you're together with no debts owing each other. 
See, if you're looking to, for your dad to tell him off about what he didn't do for you, that you're not looking for reconciliation. And God's not going to be a part of that. But once you got yourself together where you say, God, you know what? I just really want to have peace within my family. I want to see where I came from. I want to see. You got me? And God will bring it together. And so they found a whole, I mean, it's a whole bunch of them people. Every time I see a picture, it's like 15, 20 people sitting up in them photos. You know, much more than they ever had before. Mm-hmm. Then he finds out his dad's been praying. Sister's been praying. Aunt's been praying. Everybody's been praying that they would get a chance to see. And they remember him like it was yesterday. Now his his uh, the, his, his natural mother who passed away, her sister, her mother is getting to know them back again. They were friends before. God's a God of reconciliation, folks. I'm telling you, He does not stop until He answers every single prayer that's been out there, and He'll do it at a time when you least think <laughs> it's going to happen, because He wants you ready on the inside for these things. So there's grace for reconciliation. There's power to have a relationship with these people who have been estranged like it's never. There's no no problem there. That's grace. Grace enables you. It's a divine empowerment to graciously accept your duty as a Christian. See, you do it graciously. You don't do it grudgingly. You don't do it with a motive to let people have it and show them and get even and all. You do it graciously, very, very graciously. So I'm going to go to. Um, let me see my example. What did I steal from? Uh, okay, Pastor Shirley, what did I steal? Go to Luke 6:38 first. I wanted to show you something there, and then we'll be in the right book. We can go over. Luke 6 verse 38 it says give and it shall be given unto you good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom your bosom means what you hold dear I mean you will really get what you want you know there's some people who kind of set themselves up for being disappointed it's never good enough. It's always second hand. They don't like that. You know, there's some people with, with stuff that's that if I could get it second hand, you know I'd be so glad for it. I got a whole list of people. I could take they old you know, they old uh Humber, they old Escalade, they you know, they old Gucci bags. If I can get me some Louis Vuitton with the graffiti on them, that's on my one thing that I'm gonna get. If y'all have to put me put them in my coffin at the bottom of the coffin, just put my graffiti Louis luggage in there because the girl's gonna get it. She understand? Why? She ain't paying for it either. She's gonna gift her with it. But anyway, but um, you understand what I'm saying? There's, there's. Come on now, second hand ain't bad. <laughs> but anywho, he says men will give into your bosom, the place that you hold dear. There be things there that that really do. But with the same measure that you give, it'll be measured back to you again. Now, if your giving is by faith, then there is a grace that enables you to give the right way. 
without grudgingly or necessity because God does love a cheerful giver so with the faith that you exercise in your giving comes the grace to do it without ever wishing you had it back without ever deviating from it without ever it that grace keeps your it affects your mind in such a way that you stay focused on the truth about what you just did what you just did was you invested in your future in some way by putting that portion into God's hand so grace affects your thinking so that your thinking is gracious and not grudging you don't have misgivings about giving you don't have fears about giving now a thought may come to your head but the shield of faith will knock it down again that thought is merely a fiery dart that the enemy sends to retaliate against you because the faith that you exercise could not stop you from doing it because it formed a shield against him stopping you but he sends it anyway you got me it's like you know if your perpetrator is getting away and you know you can't shoot him from that distance you fire anyway just that's what the devil does to us because you got that that in before he was able to stop you now he wants to shoot a dart to make you have misgivings about it Mm -hmm. and why does he want to give you misgivings on the giving aspect because you have to have grace to receive your reward too so your grace then becomes divine empowerment to perform the whole operation both to give and to receive when that reward comes to you or that blessing comes to you that's why many times people miss and don't get the whole thing and then they're sitting there wondering why I give so much and I never have anything see they don't graciously they don't let the grace of God affect their minds in such a way that they can stay in the zone of faith to receive and anticipate God to return the blessing to them anybody that's ever struggled over how much to give is this adequate is this not right you know we've been beat up so much in the realm of giving you know a lot of the churches we started in the old baptist churches just just tap the basket god don't care what you give you know just tap the basket and keep on going they tried to encourage you even at a shallow level of faith and then eventually those people gave more because they trusted god to speak to the hearts of people so that their giving increased and so they didn't condemn the amount that you gave they encouraged whatever amount because they were interested in encouraging you and your heart toward god nowadays everybody knows it's cheap to give five dollars if you make you know a normal wage every week you know that kind of thing uh many people found that out by knowing that the dope man would take your whole paycheck so you found out god was much nicer than he was so i'd rather serve god any day oh, you cheaper than the dope man or whatever but but we understand now that god is deserving of a greater portion because we know more about him see you know more about his abilities and his goodness so forth and so on and so once we understand these things then we must know that you need grace to receive the blessing of God you must have that 
You can't set your faith confession beyond what you can reasonably expect grace to receive. This is it. So many times people are disappointed at the return because they they thought their believing was so higher, so much higher than what they got. But God is not cheating us. He knows what we what we desired if you will lay it out there with God and and be bold enough to say exactly what you desire and have that peace settle in on you that it's a done deal all of that has to be there grace doesn't come without all of the components of your covenant being in place when you have a promise coming from God you must have peace let your request be made known unto him and that peace is his handshake saying you got it and it's coming and so in, in, I'm telling you the devil will come right behind that handshake and try to jack that up and say you didn't believe for enough. Well you could believe for this and you could believe for that. And just get what you shook hands on you know. And then when that comes in take care of it and trade it in for something higher. And keep going and keep going letting your faith build and letting your faith build. And so God will help us out with that. So there is grace to give and grace to receive. God gives us everything by his grace. So we said there grace for relationships. To do your part in a relationship. To allow that other person to do their part in the relationship. Grace allows us to fellowship in the lives of others. And participate in the grace of God. You can respond in relationships with the spirit of love because grace is really love in action. It's the love of God put to work in the earth. So grace is love in action. I'm not talking about just what God gives us. Forget that. You got it already. I'm talking about receiving that and walking it out. Because there are too many times we we want to receive by the grace of God. But then we bottle it up right here it stops right here and we don't extend it out to others in Luke chapter 15 you see the story of what we call the prodigal verse 11 a certain man had two sons the younger of them said to his father father give me the portion of goods that falls to me and he divided to him his living so here we have a son leaving home now some all parents know that you kind of have an idea of what you want your children to be like the day they leave you know you if you don't you need to get it from God and understand that God has a plan for them and you're to pray according to that plan and you're to you know in in all ways possible discourage the child from leaving before they're totally prepared you know that total preparation so that they could have success now you don't want to just keep them there and baby them but you want them to be successful when they step out into the world and so this this kid instead of waiting for the father to confer that on him no grace you got me 
He went and asked for it. The father complied. But there was no enablement on his part to manage his inheritance at that point. You got me? So here you have a kid just really being a thief. He's taking it because he knows it's coming to him. But he wants it out of season. Wants it ahead of time. He says not many days after the younger son gathered all together took his journey to the far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. So he wasn't mature enough to handle that inheritance. The father knew it but in his mercy gave it to him anyway because he felt at this point he needs to find out if he can do this or not. Many times, you know, we want things from God and keep whining, complaining, bawling, and squalling. We wind up with them anyway. We find a way to get them. You know, I'm not saying God really gives it to you, but He just doesn't stop you. He knows you can get it if you want to, many things. And so He'll let us go have our own way. Now, there's some people that He don't afford that pleasure to. I'm going to tell you right now. You know, people who are already anointed. I don't see how some of them wiggle out of being obedient. Because you get whipped with many lashes. Because God's already invested in you. you. You know you'd have to really put yourself through some trouble, torment and toil. To break free of all of the bonds that hold somebody anointed. You know God's got to protect you from people. People from you. There's all kinds of things that are set up in your life. That have to be broken down all over again. For you to get free to go and sin and be crazy and but people do it but it's all of this is not this is afforded to this kid because he was young and and the father saw it could be easily reduced small potatoes i'm going to trust that when he gets out there he'll come to his senses and he'll realize and he'll see you know there's some things you can do that with your children with and when he had spent all there arose a mighty famine in the land as there always does Famine comes on the heels of riotous living. So you get your paycheck instead of sowing to God first. You go and I've been waiting to get my check so I can do this, this, this and this. Mm-hmm. So that's part of maturity is understanding to keep your money on assignment. You, you, there's something important for you to do. Your, your life consists of more than what you eat, drink and wear. And so you, you have that in you already. Spent all and there was a famine he was in lack and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country probably something he wasn't used to doing his work (laughs) didn't even know how to pick a good job and he sent him into the fields to feed swine and he was starving he didn't even know how to negotiate a good wage the average crazy person would at least get fed for working. He wasn't even getting that. He was just hoping they would pay him. And he got hungry. Well, that's going to happen to us when we distance ourselves from God. and think we understand life and understand what to do. We get hungry. And he says <clears throat> he came to himself. This is very important. He wasn't himself when he left. Who was he? Some make-believe character. An Elvis impersonator. You know. Thank you very much. Love me. Well. Must I go on? Somebody say amen so I can keep moving. I'll do my pose down. Da-da-da. 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 
You know how the king would do it up with a little cape and he'd be posing on it. Elvis has left the building. That's who he thought he was. (laughs) That's who he thought he was. He was full of himself. On his way to Graceland. So anyway. So he comes to himself. He says you know what. I was rich and didn't know it. I had it made and didn't know it. I'd be dying to get in my father's house just one night. So he decided within himself what he would do. He had repentance prepared on the inside of him. This is necessary when we broke in fellowship, when we broke in covenant, we broke in peace, we broke in relationship. You must repent. You must go to that person, apologize, and make it right. Why do I have to always be the one you know haven't done it enough? That's why you still complain. It's a rare thing in your life. So you make it a regular thing and you won't have a trouble with it. And he says, I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. He arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him. And ran his fell on his neck and forgave him. Now, this is an act of mercy. Mercy comes when you allow the unmerited favor, the free gift of God, to affect your heart. In such a way that you are willing to do your Christian duty and forgive. That's what you need. You need God's empowerment on your heart for it to be genuine. And not just mouthing words. You know a good confession to say you forgive somebody. It has to be the divine influence on the heart. So here we see the grace of God coming in softening your heart preparing your heart so that when you see that person words of mercy come out instead of words of judgment you got to let that understand that there's a higher place in God you know than than just telling them how you boy you sure had me worried I'm so mad at you get in there I'm going to whoop you you know (laughs) mercy you know you feel that way but mercy you can only do one thing at a time you can only respond to one spirit of God at a time and so mercy will allow and and see this is the thing where where people get their their minds screwed up in things we think mercy means that you're weak people well yeah you're weak because you have no power to do anything you didn't have power to keep that kid there you didn't have power to raise him without him getting rambunctious you had no power so you are weak so admit it but weak people can also take on the depths of God when we're weak he is strong and you take on his strength and mercy empowers that is such a powerful force mercy let the devil know he'd never get back up on that throne because he used to cover the mercy seat once he disobeyed he got kicked off and he's not getting back up there anymore so mercy did that 
And it made it merciful for us to be able to come to that throne where we can obtain mercy and grace to help in our time of need. So God extends mercy forever. Mercy was able to forgive him. He he the <clears throat> the son said to the father, I've sinned against heaven, verse twenty one, in your sight, no more worthy to be called your son. When people don't feel worthy, they need mercy. Huh? Now they may fight you and tell you all kind of mean things and you you know you shouldn't have done this when I was growing up. You know, we both sitting in a rocking chair across from each other. When is this ever gonna be in the past? You got me? And so when you understand that God has extended mercy so that your heart can be changed, you start seeing that person as a fragile human being just like you are. Instead of the devil who's out to get you. There's no there's no bad guy in this movie folks. He's already been chained up. And we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's the devil you need to wrestle against. And don't get it twisted because he'll have you fighting people all your life. You won't get anywhere, you won't be anything. And if he can keep you doing that and keep you deceived into thinking that people are against you. You know, some people raise their their families like that, and I feel sorry for them. You know, there was a family that lived on our street when I was a kid. They tried to they they would in, try to intimidate. There was like twelve kids, and and they would all lock arms and walk down the street, and you couldn't walk past them. I mean, these were crazy people, and their parents raised them like that. And you, they'd be if they jump on kids, a family of kids, and then uh, the wife must have known had a stupid lawyer who would go down to the prosecutor, and she would be charging everybody with assault and all this kind of stuff, and just crazy things. And so, a lot of times, kids get beat up and run home. The parents wouldn't do anything until my dear mother. May she didn't go out of the house for nothing and nobody but when them deranged people <clears throat> tried to uh, beat up my sister Louise coming home from school May got with it uh, May got with it <laughs> she got with the program real quick fast swift and in a hurry he did and my dad went out there as the peacekeeper with his peace in his pocket <laughs> see my parents were survivors from the south they weren't got me uh-huh. and I remember when the police arrested my mother they came to the house and put her in those days they had those big paddy wagons that they would come raid a party and throw everybody in there mama went to jail she called my dad at work and he got a lawyer they always had a lawyer somewhere you know and he got her out and she said yeah I was down there and I was playing cards with the (laughs) didn't hurt her one bit but the foolishness stopped you see they didn't intimidate our family anymore so some people are taught that everybody's against you you know, and I remember 
somebody an old neighbor of ours saying she said you remember that family I said oh brother who doesn't remember them she said well you know they the one girl in the family she said she came over here and she said she spent the whole day going from house to house apologizing to people she said I'm so sorry we did that she said I don't know what was wrong with my family she said but my parents thought taught us to hate everybody you see everybody's against us we got to stick together they're you know deranged people and so some people are just taught it's you against the world you got to fight everybody nobody's your friend you, you got me but God can change that see mercy changes that God will put his influence on your heart so that you will know who the true enemy is and you won't live a life deprived and deceived because you don't want to be an Ishmael your hand against every man and every man against you you want to be a peacemaker you want to be a person of love you want to be a person that can carry out this covenant you want to raise your children for God you want to raise them right and give them a fair chance in life you don't want the nonsense and so he says the father said to his servants bring the best robe put it on him bring a ring on his hand forgiveness gets you back into the covenant Hmm? he said this is my son who is dead and he's alive and he gives an explanation for why he wants the best for him now we don't know how long that kid been in a dead zone probably the whole time he stayed in that house all he's looking at is an opportunity to get out and squander daddy's hard earned money he says he was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and that's when you repent and you come to God the right way and come to people the right way and he says and they began to be merry now mercy forgave and grace demonstrated forgiveness by giving the party you got me this this is why these people say I forgive but I can't forget they're either lying they haven't forgiven they don't know God or they don't understand that grace is extended true forgiveness means that you can restore the relationship if not the same better than it was before it was ever severed or broken so God is in the the business of repairing and restoring the breach that means the gap between the relationship how you're to treat one another and how you're to expect to be treated from one another by one another you don't get beyond your expectation in people people are people just like you are you so he had to have grace to be able to extend that olive branch and make it real and bring the whole family back together again the party was to extend it to the whole family not just the son come home and everybody hostile toward dad because he treat him better than we get treated but it's to pull everybody into understanding so the elder son wants to I can forgive, but I can't forgive. <laughs> I can't forgive even. Yeah, what I don't know what his story was. But he's just jealous and he's a sanctified hater, you know, in the house and doing well and isn't the heart's not in it. He's another eye servant. And so he says he started asking people <laughs> what's all the partying about. They're religious, they like it quiet. 
Verse 27 he said to him your brother is come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he received him safe and sound. And he was angry and wouldn't go in. He was an ungracious child. All the grace that's been extended to him. What does the father say? In in grace, the, the father tells him this. He says, these many years in verse 29, this is the grace that's extended always to the oldest son. Enabling him to live well. <clears throat> he says, Lo, these many years do I serve you, neither did I transgress at any time, and yet you gave, never gave me this and that and so forth and so on. And he said, but as soon as your son came home, that punk, he'd throw your money away and all that kind of stuff, living with hoes and all up and down the street that embarrassed us and put our name out there and made us look bad. I'm trying to drag the father into it. And so he says, verse 31, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. Now, this father knows his kids. He knows the oldest one isn't going anywhere. Why? He's getting the fat end of the deal. He got the lion's share. Why would he go? All he got to do is be cool until dad steps over and he can have it all. He said it was appropriate that we should make merry and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive again was lost and is found and so the grace of God will enable you to treat a person if not the same way than before the breach or the offense treat them better it'll teach you something about yourself as a human being sometimes about how we misjudge people how we misunderstand motives and how if you don't learn how to daily forgive and walk in love that misknowledge will move you to do something that is not appropriate toward that person see it's a good thing the older son wasn't in charge or that boy would be left out and would go right back to sin again but if somebody whoever's in charge is a good thing this happened while the dad was alive because then the dad was able to forgive him and reinstate him just as God does us we are reinstated there's no no damage against us we don't have to uh, sit in the penalty box or anything like that because we've missed it or we've <clears throat> misspoken or we misunderstood or miss anything no even if our motives are wrong sometimes you don't know children misunderstand what you've been trying to teach them until they get out and start to face life then you really they make problems they have problems and they you understand well gosh they didn't really understand this part of it i gotta god help me to go and and fix this so that they can understand and they can survive and they can be successful in life that's what you want you want their success you want their success and that's what God wants with us that's why we get reinstated that's why his grace comes to us continually when we exercise our faith for what we desire from him so mercy again begins to entreat the elder son to accept it he wants to bring everybody together this this father is not you know a dumb father he understands what to do you know he knows that that God's blessed him with a family he wants to see that family strong and he wants to see them survive and he wants to see them all successful not just one or two but he wants everybody to receive what they what he has for them and that's the way God sees us you know he he gave everything 
that he had in his son Jesus. Just to see us successful. But we have to go his way. We have to do it God's way. You just can't do anything you feel is okay to do. And then expect God to bless it. You have to obey God. But he will give you more than enough empowerment. Grace empowers you. To live right as a Christian, it empowers you to be able to graciously accept your duties as a Christian. There are things we must do. It's not all optional. You know, people will win one soul every other year and talk about it for days as though they've done something wonderful. That's all that's expected of you. Expect more. You got me? You should expect more. If God did that one time, he could do it every day. If we know how to expect him to get active in our lives. So grace then is, is no, no sloppy something that you get from God to, to let you off the hook on everything. Grace in God enables you. It's divine empowerment. It's his influence on your heart. And on your mind. On your conscience. That tells you your sins are forgiven. That constantly keeps you in a place where you know that God is available to you. And you know that you can go to him for your needs that they would be met. The father was able to bring his whole household together. He made the servants accept him. Why? Because they're going to have to obey him when he steps up to the plate and starts running things the right way. So all of that had to be established. Every relationship, folks, has to be brought back right. You can't say, well, I can just, I, you know, I have to worry about that because I don't see them anymore, that kind of thing. You have to have every relationship established right the way God wants it established. But there is so much in God that we have yet to tap into, folks, if we can understand. You don't have to be afraid of anything. You have to shy away from anybody or avoid anybody or not want to see anybody, that kind of stuff. You can do this because he is merciful and he is gracious and he wants us to be quick to forgive quick to repent quick to turn it around why not because you're some kind of hockey puck down here and he wants to kick you around but because he wants to empower you these things are done to empower us so that we can get the, the ups on the devil we don't have to bow to him one time we won't be deceived by him we won't be tricked by him and so we can live that that powerful life that overcoming life that life that rides above all of the riffraff and the din of the devil the concourse from the gates of hell remember that well stay out of there because the devil's got a lot of talk for you if you sit there and listen to him but God's mercy allows us to come out of that into a place of grace and acceptance in him and a place of empowerment in him so that we can do what's expected we can really obey obey God we really can and we can do what's expected of him because of what he's done through his great grace that he's given us amen father in heaven we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to come to you understanding what you've given us father we know that as we walk in this we can understand much better what it is that you're wanting us to do and you're blessing us to do And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. If anybody wants prayer, come on up. I'll pray for you.